And here's the, here's the thing with those, both when it was Twitter and with, when it's Slack, they only really work if people are willing to be a little bit vulnerable on them. Um, you have to be willing to ask questions and potentially look dumb. <laughs> I've done it many times. Um, and I've also answered a lot of questions that people afterwards like, sorry, that was a stupid question. I'm like, are you, stupid questions mean you care. I would far rather somebody ask stupid questions. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. And Jason, you're back outside again. Yeah, yeah. The dog chased me outside. So, <laughs> and you can still hear her barking. So, yeah, but but Apparently, it's, it's you only know, faint. it is what it is. These dogs have different personalities. I just got done reading um, Call of the Wild. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Have you guys read that? Uh, yeah. yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, like all these dogs have they're they're humans. You know, they have different personalities, and she is the motherly protector of the uh, property. So. If anybody gets near, she's not having it. So that's our, our part, poor dog. To look over and and scout our retriever shepherd mix, or sorry, Rottweiler shepherd mix. Maybe we don't know. He just looks so noble, no matter what he mm. does. <laughs> and then the other dog, which has the same coloring and is about the same size, but is more poodly or something, just looks derpy, no matter what <laughs> she does. We're like, scout, you look so noble, and Annie, the old derp face, this <laughs> for it. <laughs> It's amazing how they have different such different personalities yeah. and oh, traits yeah. and yeah like yeah yeah i could call them in here to have them demonstrate but they're not that <laughs> obedient <laughs> they're not they're not gonna listen they're probably off chasing a squirrel or something yeah. or where frogs right yeah <laughs> did i tell you about scout eating the frog no i know so we have tons of frogs in my neighborhood in the summer and they're all, all over the sidewalks and um Apparently Scout got, he had always been curious about them and he would sniff them and he knows that I get excited about them. So he gets excited when he sees them up there, uh, like on the sidewalk. And then he ate one. We don't know if he swallowed it or if it got out of his mouth, but apparently when dogs eat frogs, it makes them foam at the mouth like crazy for like the next hour. And he was just this drooly, miserable mess. And now he see, sees frogs. And he's like, he's like uh-uh, nope. done. <laughs> so he um, learned his lesson. No, he absolutely learned. He's a smart dog, like yeah. Annie. <laughs> are they? Are they? Uh, are they hallucinogenic? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, maybe he saw fun things. I don't know. <laughs> I was. I was going to ask. Is it one of those? Those kind of yeah. frogs? Yeah. Licking, licking the frog. Maybe those are toads. I don't know. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, but it was dog. a relief. Like we, we looked up online, like our dog's foaming at the mouth and Google's <laughs> like, yeah, he ate a frog. I'm like, oh, nice. yeah, yeah, he did, he did eat a frog. Go. We saw him eat a frog. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Jim, how was your, uh, is this the first time we've chatted since you did your marathon? Yes. Yes. How did that go? Uh, miserable. <laughs> did, <laughs> but did you so add to the metal marathon. rack? I did. So while this is my wife's behind me, I'm going to swap them around. 
Mine's over there, but I did. So this was the medal from this year. So I did it last year, did it this year. And there's like a set of four. You do all four in the series. And like last year's fits here. And then they all uh, come around. Okay. So it'll be this. But we were dealing with the remnants of Hurricane Ian. Yeah. And so it was Friday is when the it started raining, but there was also packet pickup day. So I went and picked up the packet and I'm like, is this, is this still on? And uh, they're like, as long as there's no lightning, this is still on. We're doing like, it. Okay. And like, I'm not a hardcore runner. I've mentioned so many times on this show, I do it as a personal challenge. Yeah. I, I do it to, to do something uncomfortable. Um, and so I'm like, okay. I mean, there are people that are hardcore that will run in any weather. I don't, but I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to do this because also thanks to my father, I'm a completionist. If I start mm -hmm. something, I have to finish it no matter what it is. If I collect one thing and there's a whole series, I need the whole effing series. Um, yeah. so that's this. So I'm like, all right, I guess I'm doing this. And it poured the entire time. I was soaked to the bone afterward. But we were also dealing with the winds. The winds were like 20 to yeah, 30 miles would, an hour. That would make it miserable for sure. And we were running against the wind for oh. half the course. And one part actually goes up and over a bridge. And like you're getting blown every which way as you're going over the bridge. You go up over the bridge, go down, turn around, go back over it again. And that that killed me. So that doesn't sound fun, Jim. No, it wasn't. It, it, <laughs> no. it wasn't fun. Like I'm just I'm pressing through it, pressing through it. And you have to maintain a 15 minute mile. And I mean, I do about a 13 minute mile again, because I'm no, I'm no runner. Like I, I have family that can do a six minute mile, eight minute mile, not me. Well, but um, it's different. like a 13 minute mile when you're just doing one mile is very different than a 13 minute mile when you're running a marathon or a half marathon yeah. like that. Is it a full, full marathon? Half. half. Oh, so 13.1 okay. miles. Still. That's yeah, 13 that's still... miles more than I want to run. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'll typically do intervals, 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off, where you kind of get that minute, the, a little bit of a reprieve. Mm -hmm. But the wind was so bad, like even walking that, that half minute off mm -hmm. was was brutal. And like the last mile, the the pay, like honestly, I finished dead effing last. I was the last person. You finished. The finish. I that's did. It? I, that, that was the solace I took in. You know, I was kind of pumping myself up doing this. I'm like, first or last, I'm doing this. There are people that can't do this, that want to do it, but I'm going to do it first or last. And so I'm the last person, the, the pacers behind me in the golf cart. <laughs> and like my quads are screaming at this point because the last three and a half miles were against the wind again. We started uh, against the wind, then had the wind at our back for five miles or so. And then the last three and a half were against the wind again. My quads are on fire oh. and I just... I just, I'm slowing down. I, I stopped a minute to stretch and the dude's like, take your time. We're in no rush. On a normal day, they'd that. be like, hurry the F up. We got to well, go. That's what I love about marathon. Like all of the people, it is the most collegiate friendly atmosphere at marathons and half marathons and things like that. Like everybody's there just to root people on and, and stuff. It's mm -hmm. great. Yeah. I mean, I think as long as you, like, as long as you kind of know your pace, like mm -hmm. me, I, I start toward the back because mm -hmm. I know I'm a slower pace. I'm not going to be up at the front sure. with people who are trying to, to register a personal best. I'm not going to get in their way. Uh, but yeah, the, most of the time, like if you kind of know your pace, the people around you are cool. And the pacers like, 
I'm not going to pick you up. Just take your time. <laughs> you know, you're actually ahead of pace. You're just the last person. Oh, okay. Everybody <laughs> was just I, so miserable. They had to get the heck out of there. Well, I, I'm crossing the finish line as they're breaking stuff down. Oh, because my. I'm like, I know you guys got to go too. So it, it, it's miserable <laughs> out today. Uh, well, congratulations. Well, well done. That's, yeah, yeah seriously. I, there's you. no way. You should get an extra <laughs> ribbon for just how the weather was during it. Well, like I was looking at my times and I was five minutes slower than I was last year. And I was feeling really good coming into this year. So my feeling was, is if the weather was better, if yeah. the weather was the same as last year, I would probably been 10 minutes faster than last year. It would have been a 15 minute swing. Yeah. At least that, that's my feeling. So, but again, sure. the, let's the, go with the, that. You, you third, are a good man. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, but the third out of the four of the series is next year. So we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll try to prove right. that out. Um, but, uh, but yeah, let, let's go ahead and dig into, into our topic, uh, today. Um, I really don't have a good segue other than, you know, I was gonna say, Jen, welcome back, but we dug right into sure. intros and fun and everything. Um, so yeah, I've got no segue, so I'm just gonna jump into it. Screw it. Um, I'm usually good at picking, you know, I kind of, our, our, se our segue is that, um, we, we, we hit a milestone in that uh, someone shared one of our clips on the Pound Measure Slack channel, and it was a clip with Jen. So we're like, well, we need more shareability, so we need to get Jen back on. So Jen, welcome back as we talk about dot, dot, dot. <laughs> as we talk about careers in digital analytics. So I want to awesome. have a series around that. Um, and, and honestly, yeah, Pound Measure is a good, good segue into that um, because, Jen, I know you're highly active there. The topic I have for today is, is how do you grow your career in digital analytics? We've talked several other times about how to get started in this particular field, but it necessarily didn't cover once you've got started, how do you grow your career? You know, there, there, once you get started and you start to find out there are multiple directions you can go, um, what are some of the resources available? And what are the opportunities for someone as they've become established and want to want to go further? Well, I mean, a lot of it, frankly, it, a lot of the advice does go right with the how do you get started? It's the be curious and be a self-motivated learner. Um, but I think that's particularly true if, if you want to grow and expand your role at all, that usually folks don't hand it to you as a, these are the things you should learn if you want this other role. It's a, you were curious, you learned a thing, and then there was a role where you could use that thing that you learned. Um, it was actually a, a tweet the other day that, um, uh, I'm not even going to try the names because they're, they're people that I, I don't know and don't interact with, but the tweet really spoke to me of, of um, all right, so it's a, a Yassine MTB. I retweeted it, so if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see it. But um, said, my advice to anyone who wants to learn to code because they feel like their white-collar field isn't going to get them where they want, don't become a software engineer. Become an accountant, lawyer, actuary, police analyst, economist, whatever, that can also code, and you'll kill it. And that, that to me, is a big learn a little bit of something that's not your role. Um, but particularly in our field, maybe a little bit of code. <laughs> um, and that opens up so many options uh, and really just helps you understand how it all fits together better anyway. So that would be my biggest advice. It's just learn things tangential to your role uh, when you can, just because you're curious, and then 
seize opportunities to use those things that you learn. Yeah. And, and I'll play off what, what, what Jen shared is that, especially if your client side um, is to develop the internal drive and push to take it yourself. Um, in a lot of these situations, you're working in companies that um, really don't have a system in place to help you mature um, in, in analytics. Uh, a lot of these companies struggle to even identify the right type of talent to hire, let alone mature them. And so a lot of times you're even in these massive, massive companies, you're kind of on an island um, in, in your role. And so it takes a lot of self-motivation and drive to figure out what you want to do. On the flip side, that if you can find comfort in that, you can really define your own path a lot of times. Because again, there's not anyone in the organization kind of siloing you and saying, this is what you have to do. And so if you have the, um, I guess, self-confidence to take it and own it, you can really define the path you want to go down. The struggle is no one's going to hold you accountable to it other than yourself. So you have to be self-motivated, as Jen mentioned, to be curious and learn about new things and figure out how to develop a path for, for yourself. And I just always say, I, there are so many things I can think of in my career history where I dove into something as a side project, knowing that it didn't, I probably wouldn't use it in work. It was just interesting to me. So for instance, you know, I, I used to be an HTML developer. I, I used to make websites, um, but things have changed a lot since then. And um, CSS particularly has gotten all kinds of new and fancy. Um, so I took a, a advanced CSS uh, course on Udemy just because I wanted, you know, I was bored and it, I needed something non-client work to do. And since then, I swear when I chose to take the class, it had not come up once in the previous like nine months. And then I took the class and then the following nine months, like every week there was something like, oh, I learned about this, mm -hmm. especially as I started doing more target work, um, particularly it, I, there's a lot of stuff I couldn't have done um, with our, our target projects if I hadn't taken that class just on a whim, not thinking it would ever be useful in work. Um, but I can point to like eight different things that I've done like that. Then I'm like, well, this isn't really my role. It's probably not going to come up, but it's interesting to me. Sure. And then as soon as you do it, you're like, oh, this is actually everywhere. And I just had never paid attention to it because it wasn't the skills that I had. Yeah. And again, I think it keeps coming back to this concept of curiosity. The analytics field is so incredibly broad. Um, there's an endless supply of things that we can learn and think about. And it just seems like the more we do, the more it's kind of like, I guess I'll use Lego since we're having our team building activity tomorrow. It's like adding more Lego pieces to to your toolbox of what you can you can build. Oh, Jen's got her kit ready. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm, for those on the podcast, I'm I'm holding up the uh, the Lego set that I'm building tomorrow as part of our team activity. It's the the medieval blacksmith. Oh, Jim's oh, got his. Jim's I don't have spaceship. mine. I'm outside. I don't have mine. Spaceship, spaceship. Yeah. So quick, quick tangent. Um, tomorrow we're doing a team building activity that Jim came up with where we're taking half a day off. We're sitting on a Zoom call together with some goodies and we're all building our own Lego kit. I am. I don't know if you guys are as surprised as I am how hard this hit with people outside of 33 Sticks, as we've talked about it, that are saying we need to do this and sending our sending a tweet to their boss saying, see what 33 Sticks is doing. Can we do this? Like I was shocked how how far it went. Yeah. So we were on a call with a client this morning and, um, they asked like, Oh, do you have your Lego day yet? We said, no, it's mm -hmm. tomorrow. And he's making a push at his team 
to so cool. to have a day off to do like have a group outing like that and i said on the side i said i'll send you some pictures to help you make your case oh by the yeah, way so, my no, husband might then. be joining our lego day a little bit tomorrow he, awesome. he keeps being jealous too i'm like oh no nobody will mind kenny, kenny is an honorary member of 336 he yes. he's a he's a good one you've got there um so yeah so you know as we learn more and we're curious it's like we're adding more lego pieces and not just bricks but you know lego has all these um kind of mechanical pieces where you can actually create things so by adding these new pieces in it really expands your skill set on what you can do in in analytics as you add more and more advanced pieces to to your toolkit um and and really i think jen's hit on the really important topic it's just again being curious and being in organizations where a lot of times you're not going to have direction and using that curiosity to just say, Hey, I want to go learn about that. I remember when I was client side, I did something similar where we were using a lot of Adobe data. I worked for an online dating company and I don't know what hit me, but I had this thought. Um, and I wondered, well, I think it was around the time of the housing crisis, 2008, 2009. Um, I thought, you know, what is, what is the state of the economy? How does it impact how people think about online dating? And so I had to learn about kind of economics and consumer confidence and just kind of learn all about those things that I had heard of, but really didn't understand how they work. And then I had to learn about how to access data from APIs. And I downloaded a bunch of historical consumer confidence index data. And then I had to learn how to apply that over top of our Adobe data and start building some models to see, is there any kind of directionality with economic indicators and how people view online dating um and it actually and i probably should go back and rerun my numbers but it came out to be the opposite of what i expected that when consumer confidence dipped our registrations and subscriptions spiked which was an interesting trend but again like no one told me to like go figure this out or said hey this is something we have to do it was a hmm this might be interesting what do i have to learn to figure out if this applies to our business and then following that curiosity down to some sort of logical endpoint. It does get hard though, depending on what company you're at. It it can be hard to step out of that zone and do things that you haven't been told to do. Um, Cause not all companies encourage that. And particularly if True. you are in a risk averse situation, um, you know, there, there have been side projects that I've done that I had to like do in secret. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, because I was at a very large corporation that had liability concerns or whatever. And um, yeah, Jim yeah, and I talked scary. about that on a previous episode mm-hmm. um, where we talked about why, why are there so many analysts that stop at data distribution mm-hmm. when there's so many more opportunities from a data collection or an insights perspective. And I think what Jim and I both kind of concluded on is that, these people work in organizations where they don't feel comfortable being exposed or having a spotlight or sticking their neck out and they just want to just do do their job and not have any attention on themselves because they fear the repercussions um so i i mean i you know while it's easy for us to say oh just go experiment and do this and i completely empathize and understand that maybe not everyone is in a culture where that is as easy as it is for for us to say it is so it's a it's yeah. a good call out what do you and think, if Jim? you're an employer out there listening to this, then encourage, <laughs> please. Yes, please. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 really unfortunate that we 
see these employers hire such amazingly talented analytics um, professionals and then basically handcuff them on what they can do. It's like you hire them to help lead and transform your business, but then you put these really, really stringent barriers on their creativity and their curiosity. And that's really at the core of what a good analytics person is. Why are we kind of stamping out that flame? It's It, it really is disheartening to see. I've been thinking about this statement that Jen, you made toward the beginning as, as we started talking about this. And again, there, there's definitely a level of, of bias, you know, having my career focused here versus others and kind of looking at other career paths from the outside. You, you made the, made the point or, you know, made the comment that, you know, within our industry, very rarely you're going, are you going to have someone come and say, here, here it is. You have to go and seek it out find it sometimes take your own time to learn it and then take it yourself there it, why is that maybe compared to say other careers where there is that prescribed path where it's like here it is here's your next step here's your next step why why do we and i guess i'm i'm trying to play devil's advocate here or or trying to think of it that way of like why do we have to go out and push for it versus where maybe other careers it's kind of set out and here's your next step. I think, I mean, the whole nature of, of the career is, is different. And, I, and I've talked about it in previous uh, shows too. I think that very few of us who are in this industry are here because it was like a prescribed path we could take. Like we didn't major in digital analytics that People can now, I suppose, but yeah. uh, very few of us who have been around for a while started that way. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I was a web developer. Um, so to even begin with, it's not really a defined career. It's something that we all got into because we were curious or there was a gap that we thought we could fill. Um, and this is just a continuation of, of that. Um, but it, it, it is kind of a nebulous career path that there's lots of different things you can do. Um, that uh, I just keep thinking back to um, the our, our friends at the uh, Digital Analytics Power Hour. But um, you know, I remember when Tim was starting to get into R and stats, and then Michelle followed suit, like all of these things. And now they, Tim's a, a great expert on all of those things. And it's been fun to watch people's careers where when they started, I'm like, should I be doing that? Is that something that's part of this career path I should be doing? Yeah, I got other things I'm focusing on. And it turns out we're all still in the industry doing cool things, just slightly different things based off of, you know, interest that we had and stuff. So, um, yeah, there, there never was really a, a set path in this career, I don't think. Yeah, I think that's a huge part of the challenge. I mean, the, the industry itself is is fairly young when you compare it to the timeline of business in general. And while we have a lot of history of business analytics, um, kind of the digital component is in alignment with the digital age, even a little, a little younger. Um, and so, you know, while a, a couple of decades have passed, if you compare it to other business operations, it's still fairly young. And we can see that in companies trying to figure out where it, it fits in. And you can see that by looking at companies and, and figuring out where their anal digital analytics piece fits within their organization. And you see so many uh, businesses still struggle with this. Is it is it marketing? Is it mm -hmm. is it operations? Is it finance? Is it engineering? Um, and, and that is just a, a good way to view the fact that we still don't know. We're still trying to figure things out and where we fit. And I think that that's 
to your question, Jim, is a big driver of why it's so fluid is because we're still trying to figure it out in in many, many ways where this fits organizationally. And then once we figured it out organizationally, what that looks like from a skill perspective, as Jen mentioned, the the term digital analytics is so incredibly broad. We say, oh, we want to hire a digital analytics person. Like, well, what does that mean? Is that like a front end developer expert? Is that someone that's got you know, deep stats experience? Is it someone that's really good at testing and optimization and experimentation? Is it someone that's like a hardcore data viz? It's so incredibly broad and you can't be an expert on all of those things. And so it's deciding where do I fit? What does my organization need? And again, because we haven't figured this out, a lot of it falls on the analytics organization or sometimes lone person to say like, well, what am I interested in? And where do I fit in? And part of that has to be personal motivation what's interesting to me and part of it has to be well what is my company going to pay me to do because i may be interested in something but my company may not be at all and you know there has to be some sort of general handshake or alignment there to make it uh ultimately work but i do want to call out what jen mentioned that shouldn't hold you back from being curious you know just because your employer doesn't think something is valuable you may need to go out on your own on, on udemy or some other platform or learn about things I'm confident that that is going to add value to the employer, whether they see it or not, because as you unlock these skills, it, it you can't not become more valuable in, in your role, whatever it is within that broad term digital analytics. Now, I think you just hit the nail on the head that, that because it doesn't really belong to a specific organization, um, usually, you know, we, we don't know, is it IT, is it a marketing or whatever? Um, there isn't usually somebody on the analytics team who is the legal expert on GDPR or the web developer expert who knows how to use CSS to you know, tag management, whatever. Um, so it really is like you can carve out those spots because odds are there's a gap for it, that there's no one bridging that. There isn't a clearly defined relationship between IT or between legal or between marketing. Um, so you take it in that direction that you want and odds are there's a gap you can fill with that. Yeah. How would you answer it, Jim? Your own question. How would I answer? <laughs> Do you You're remember your own question? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think a lot of it is, you know, the the youth of of the industry, the youth of the space. Um, you know, like Jen, you, you said you started out as a, a web developer. I started out implementing solutions for financial investment companies um and then made the pivot over here but yeah I, I think back like at that time like it was loosely organized and you have been seeing maybe some more structure and rigor but part of me like part of me wants the the kind of less structure and rigor around the space because because you're right like we've talked about like for people to succeed in this space not just grow their career but like succeed in their jobs regardless of where they're at they need that level of curiosity not just the i'm going to go in and punch out x number of reports over this week because that's what i've been told to do it's the oh that number seems odd what does it mean and and start mm -hmm. to dig in there and it's when and I know I'm not answering my question. I'm just kind of rambling at the moment, thinking about it. But like the the answer is, is it, it's the youth of the space. But I think that that's where you get the creativity from it. 
because there is there isn't necessarily a prescribed path those that drive where the space goes are the ones that are curious not just the ones that are checking items off a list for x number of certifications x number of degrees i've completed this course in this this college or this school it's the people that are truly curious and want to be here not just going with another job yeah and 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 again hopefully you work for a company that that supports that and gives you the ability to be curious but even if you're not i don't think it should stop you again as jen mentioned there's there's so much that you can do just independently that can fulfill that need for curiosity and is going to be a benefit to your employer whether they're they're supporting it or not hopefully they they do um but that's what drives things forward both within companies and within the industry jim mentioned um kind of tim um and and kind of thinking more programmatically about analytics in the digital space i remember back in what 2011 Jawanza and randy building kind of the first connector with with our with our site catalyst um and that kind of setting off kind of some some momentum no one told any of these people to do it right i'm sure tim was not getting hit up to say hey we need analysis done programmatically in r it was just something that was a personal interest that they took and that kind of single-handedly with just a handful of people kind of drove the industry forward uh, a huge number of, of steps and i and i think it's that curiosity that drives things forward. And again, I'm gonna go back to the point that so many of us work in organizations that really don't know how to give us direction. And so we need to follow that curiosity ourselves, and just trust in the fact if it's something that we're curious and passionate about, and we're gonna invest the time, it is going to be transformative for ourselves, for the companies we work with. And sometimes as we've seen um, some of the examples shared, the industry um, as a whole. Yeah. So l- let's talk about some of those those resources that are are out there that again aren't necessarily handed to you, but you have to do some digging. Um, Jason, as, as you were talking, I was thinking back to 13, 14 years ago when I made the pivot in my career and seeking out information. I mean, the two of you on Twitter were were part of a group that I would follow. And like if I had a question on what I was doing, chances are the two of you, Ben Gaines, a few others, the Randy. golden days of, of the yes. measure hashtag on Twitter. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Like somebody would have it out there. That was also the days with Omniture support. Like I could tweet mm-hmm. Omniture support and, you know, instead of going through the formal client care uh, ticket, but like, that was one of the things, a couple different shout out posts. to Ben Gaines. Yeah. I was going to say that that was all Ben Gaines. <laughs> yeah. It was great. Um, so like those were the resources then. And I mean, it was, it was great. Cause there was, there was that collective on Twitter that if I went out and just searched through that hashtag, someone, I didn't have to ask, like someone would have already posted it. What are some of the resources available today? Because like that group is, is migrated um, to, to other platforms. There are some maybe more formalized places where some of this information is available. Where, where can people, where can people go digging? I bet you can that's guess That's 100% a gen. No, that's 100% <laughs> oh. a gen question. <laughs> measure Slack. Exactly. Uh, because, I mean, that's what happened is we had the measure hashtag on Twitter. Um, and it was really fantastic for the reasons you said. You could come in and ask questions and everyone was so helpful and curious. And 
um, and stuff. And then it started getting bloated with spam. And I mean, it's Twitter. As, as, it, um, as it does, like as, anytime as something Twitter great Twitch. happens, the salespeople and marketers <laughs> yeah. think that they see an opportunity um, to come in and ruin something beautiful. So then there was a gap for, well, where do we have these often awesome conversations? For a while, there were Yahoo boards and, and uh, you can even find stuff on Quora. There's some good stuff on, on uh, Stack Overflow. But but then, you know, Lee and uh, Isensi and others uh, made Measure Slack to fill some of that gap. And it, it still does. Like that exact same thing that I would go to Twitter for in 2012, I might still go to Twitter for a little bit. But usually that's where I would go to Measure Slack. Um, so that that's the biggest one I would recommend is it's free. Um, just it, it seems to be the most... Um... What's the right word? Uh, I'm thinking in kitchen terms when you boil a stock. Concentrated. It yeah. seems to be the most concentrated area because um, you mentioned others. I think every once in a while I'll run into some good resources on Stack Overflow where there'll be something very specific to what I'm trying to solve for. But by and large, no real community there. I was really disappointed um, that they really never spun up a, a Reddit community. Um, I was mm. thinking, you know, there, this is a really good opportunity to, but it's just not, there is some analytic stuff there, but not yeah. specific kind of to the digital space. I'm like, this seems like a miss. Um, there is some, there is every once in a while, Hey, I'm transitioning from Google to Adobe, what should I think about? But again, it's just not in, in the concentrated form that it appears to be on the pound measure Slack channel. World. And here's the, here's the thing with those, both when it was Twitter and with when it's Slack, they only really work if people are willing to be a little bit vulnerable on them. Um, you have to be willing to ask questions and potentially look dumb. <laughs> mm. I've done it many times. Um, and I've also answered a lot of questions that people afterwards like, sorry, that was a stupid question. I'm like, are you... stupid questions mean you care. I would far rather somebody ask stupid questions um, because A, if they're asking it, odds are somebody else out there is going to ask it at some point. Um, yeah. And B, it just it shows interest and um, and motivation to learn outside of, of what's just being handed to you. So I, it's such yeah. you bring up such an important point. Um, and if you're if you're an employer, if you're a manager and you're overseeing an analytics organization, this is something you really need to think about. We've over the years seen some really, really broken organizations, both technically and from a human aspect. And a lot of times it comes down to going back to this feeling safe kind of component and, you know, talking to the analytics people in these organizations saying like, well, why didn't you ask for help? Why didn't you go out? And there's so many people that have this knowledge that are willing to help you. And almost every time they come back and said something like, well, I don't feel safe being able to do that in my organization because they see me as the, you know, fill in the blank. I'm the Google analytics expert. I'm the Adobe expert. I'm the general digital analytics expert. And if I don't know, then maybe they lose faith in me. And that is unfortunate because none of us know, like there's, again, just the breadth of the industry is so incredibly wide and the speed at which it's moving forward and maturing we can't know all the answers. Even if we choose to be an expert on a specific tool or vertical within it, we still can't know all the answers. And so it's those people that are able to be vulnerable and say like, I don't know, can you help that grow the fastest in their career? And again, it's unfortunate that so many work in organizations where they don't feel safe or comfortable being able to say like, I don't know about this, I need some help. Well, and I'd even take it further and say you can capitalize if there's a thing that you don't know. Um, 
usually that is the result of some gap in the industry that, you know, something's poorly documented or, um, you know, it's, it's a newer tool that folks are still just figuring out or something's just not intuitive and not clear. That is a wonderful career opportunity right there. Find something mm -hmm. where there is a gap where if you don't know it, odds are somebody else doesn't either. Find it, figure it out, document it, and become the expert on it because at bare minimum, you'll answer your own questions. Um, but beyond that, then it helps with networking because other people who are in you know similar roles to you are probably asking the same questions. Um, and it, it really helps with, with the career growth, I think. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point, Jen. So then let me flip it around now. We were talking about like useful places people can go. Where are there? And if there are, where should people avoid going? Like, are there things that maybe give the appearance of being helpful, but are some kind of trap? LinkedIn. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, no, LinkedIn has a lot of great content, but it 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 is trappier than others. And of course, Twitter has a whole bunch of stuff on it too. But um, I, I don't know. Jim's I think a trap here. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> I think anything when you're where you're interacting with other real people is good. Um, there's opportunity in all of it. Um, you know, we were just talking about conferences and stuff that I have a client moving from Adobe to GA. And, um, you know, while firstly, that's not the choice I would make, um, it does open up a lot of options for them as far as like conferences and networking and all of that goes, because there's such a huge community of, of GA folks, um, that now they can go to a whole bunch of other conferences that in the past might've been a little too tool specific um, to, to get value out of. So there are some things like that where you can end up in a room where you're like, okay, I'm an Adobe implementation person and everyone else around me is a snowflake analyst or whatever it is. Um, but even then, usually you can find something in common or interesting, uh, between you all. Yeah. So I, I would say not necessarily avoid, but just be aware of, you know, we talked about Twitter and its pristine form being great and then being overrun by marketers and salespeople, um, you, you face that same problem specifically when you're consuming content from those people. And so the thing that's great about um, platforms like Slack is you have a wide audience of people, not to say that people don't use it for lead generation or sales, but you have a big enough population there to kind of vet out the message and, and give it balance. Um, whereas if you're just going out and Googling and searching for something and you land on an agency's website or you land on a vendor's website, a lot of times that content is very vapid and is designed to be a lead gen kind of gated. Like here's a little bit of things that's going to rank us on Google. And oh, by the way, if you need help with this, here's our contact form. That's very frustrating to me. So not necessarily something to avoid, but just something to be aware of that if you're consuming content from a vendor or an agency, most likely that content is developed as a sales and marketing pitch. Um, so it may be valuable, but it also needs to be vetted. Um, and, you know, anything we publish as well, like it should be vetted. Hopefully we're a little bit more um, transparent in, in what we post, but you know, these companies are posting things from their perspective, you know, Adobe posting something, Snowflake, Amplitude, it's coming from their perspective that they want to sell you their product or service. So again, not necessarily avoid, but 
be aware of that fact. So as an analyst, you can think through that critically to say, you know, how is this useful to me? And is this really the information I need? Or are they trying to convince me that I need to buy something that I may or may not need? And if you're the one trying to grow your career by marketing yourself and trying to get leads and trying to convince people they need you, don't. <laughs> like instead, <laughs> don't, don't like I said, just be helpful. Find the gaps and fill them because look at some yeah. of the, the most influential people in our indus industry. Look at Simo Ohava and, and Krista Seiden, where they aren't actively like selling themselves, nor do they need to because their content is so useful and valuable because they actually use the tools and they said, these are the things that I wish that I had. Um, Simo, particularly, like I'm sure that a lot of the stuff he does, it's all just stuff that he had to do for his own sake. And then bless him, he documented it well. And now he's he's our Google celebrity kind of that um, I have no doubt that he has no problem finding good work to do because instead of investing in, well, what's the best terms to put in my blog to get the best traffic? It's a, <laughs> yeah, it's... what gap can I fill? What would be useful for me myself? Then you know, it's going to be useful to others. It's the, it's the driver for creating it, which makes all the difference. Because if you go into it with the, I'm doing this to be known, to become an, you know, the, the go-to person that I'm going to rank well on Google, it just, it, it's very, very hard to sustain and be really authentic uh, in that. And people see through it. Um, if, if, if you do it, those things just tend to happen. That tends to be the result of you doing it because it's something that's meaningful to you and you truly want to help others and share. It comes back. And to Jen's point, like you don't have to sell. You don't have to market. It just happens because you create something so great. And, and if I can brag, I mean, I think that that's why Jen's content um, on her blog, Digital Data Tactics, and the stuff that we've published on our site is so incredibly popular is Jen isn't sitting around thinking, hmm, what can I write about that's going to get me more views on my blog? She's like, I just solved this thing that was incredibly difficult. And I bet others are probably dealing with the same thing. I'm going to write about it. And that's it. That's the motivation. And then what do you know? Like all these people want to come consume the content. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. Most of it's pretty selfish of just, I need a place to reference things that I've learned. Um, and if I'm the only user of my blog, I still get a lot of value out of it. <clears throat> so do you, go, do you find yourself searching your blog? Like, I think I solved this one point in time. I need oh, to go no, back absolutely. <laughs> no, I constantly reference my own blog and there's nothing more lame than being on a call, like a conference call and being like, oh, actually there is some documentation to describe what I'm talking about. Let me pull up my blog, which has my face all over it and show you this <laughs> cool thing that some really smart person documented. Um, but no, that actually happens fairly often where, I mean, there's a reason I wrote it down. It's because it comes up a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly what I was hinting at with, with that question, you know, whether falling into the trap of getting caught up in some kind of disingenuous lead gen. And that's why talking. my immediate, immediate response was LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. that's... But then Jen, you also bring up a great point with it too, is the other side of that trap. Don't become that person. If you want to grow your career, you want to be seen as authentic and doing that exact thing is the complete wrong way to do that. This industry loves authenticity. That's one oh, yeah. thing that I've learned. And they're, you know, it, it's filled with people that want to be genuine and helpful. And as I mentioned, like, if you're out there from a selfish perspective, just creating things to drive more leads because I need to make a sale because I'm trying to, you know, become a celebrity, 
it just doesn't work. Like people see through it and will not support you. If you're doing things in a genuine, authentic way and you truly want to help people and you're truly doing things to help move the industry forward, those things happen as a result of that. It just organically happens and the industry wants to support that. So it's a, it's a great question you bring up and in an alignment with the topic, how do we grow our career? If that's something that you're interested in, there's so much opportunity. And Jen mentioned, there's so many gaps to be filled that I want to be the expert on this one thing. Find that gap that you're passionate about, start talking about it, start researching, start sharing. And, you know, people quickly gravitate to you as the go-to person in that. And again, because this field is so broad, there's so many opportunities for people. It's not like a few people have said, I'm, you know, I've taken stake and own this. Like, no, it's a wide open field of opportunity for people to, to really establish credibility and expertise. Yep. Totally agree. Um, so as we begin to wrap up, um, I'm going to ask the question that uh, we try to wrap up all episodes with, you know, with everything we've talked about today, what does that all mean in the perspective for, or from the perspective of sustainable analytics? So from my from my perspective, again, I'm going to go back to this being in a place where it's okay to say, I don't know all the answers is is so critically important. A lot of the challenges that we're helping our clients overcome are the result of making decisions that are not well informed because people either didn't know they could ask for help or didn't feel comfortable asking for help and so they made unilateral decisions which ended up creating nightmares of messes for someone like jen someone like jim to come in and try to unwind and fix that is not a long-term sustainable model the right approach is to say i don't know all the answers i'm never going to know all the answers I'm going to ask all these amazing experts that I have access to, whether paid or free, and I'm going to use that knowledge to build solutions that are going to outlive my job at company X. That, that, that for me is a really critical piece, but again, it comes back to having the, uh, the trust and comfort to do that. And I appreciate that maybe not everyone is in a position where they feel comfortable doing so. Yeah, I don't really have anything to add with that. To that, I think that that summed it up perfectly. That um, it not only makes—I say I have nothing to add. Not only, <laughs> um, not only we all know I don't do uncomfortable silences. Um, not only does it help that the company you're working for with their sustainable analytics, but talk about sustainable analytics careers. <laughs> that, yeah. You know, when I started this in 2006, I had no idea that. You know, 16 years later, I would still be doing this. And to be honest, a lot of it, the, the nature of it hasn't changed a ton since then. Um, so had I started then with kind of the blinders on of do just what you're asked, um, it, it would have been a completely different career. And I probably would have washed out, burned out of it a long time ago or found something else to do. But I think having that curiosity and building those networks and um, finding the spaces where you can provide value perhaps by being vulnerable helps make a sustainable career that you can enjoy for a longer time where you can move around and learn and not, not be stuck. Yeah. Great. Great point. Yes. Very well said. Well, I mean, the last 45 minutes have, have flown by. Um, and it always seems like when the three of us get together, the conversation just flies by. And sometimes I love just sitting back and listening. So this has been 
uh, a great chat today. You know, I appreciate yeah. the time. Um, any any other closing thoughts uh, as we as we wrap it up? No, I'm just looking forward to seeing which clip from this episode gets shared on uh, on Measure Slack. Well, it's got to happen. Someone make it happen. Come on. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you both so much. We'll close out there and we'll talk to everyone later. See ya. Thanks, you guys. See ya. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.